Welcome to From the Dark Podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to From the Dark Podcast. I am your host, Mike. Tonight we have a very special guest for you. We have writer, director, actor, and skunk expert, Stacy Brown Jr. Stacy, welcome to the show. How you doing, bud? Doing good, man. How about yourself? Oh, I'm enjoying the very bipolar Florida weather. <laughs> It's, it's cold tonight. I'm up in North. Yesterday. I'm up in North Georgia. It's been pretty bipolar here too. Yeah, man. I, I can deal with it as long as it just make up its mind. I literally have to walk outside to see what what I need to do today. <laughs> Stacy, let's start at the beginning, I guess. Um, tell the listeners how you got started in the skunk ape thing that it is. The the fiasco that it can be of <laughs> yes yes uh well i i have to give most of the credit to my dad and unsolved mysteries so my dad was into this stuff he was very sci-fi oriented um you know and thought bigfoot was cool and so we'd sit down together and i seen that first episode of unsolved mysteries and they were down in the Everglades and uh, that was it for me you know they had Dave Sheely's video on there I couldn't have been maybe six seven somewhere around in there I just became fascinated after that you know then going to the libraries checking out the books and you know I actually thought the woods across the street from us had Bigfoot in them. So I would go over there and look for Bigfoot, you know? And so it was a passion of mine while I was a child. Uh, you know, in teenage years came along doing different things. Uh, but then when I was about 27, um, they had a finding Bigfoot was coming out. And I was still interested because like I'd, I totally bought into the first Rick Dyer hoax, the body in a freezer that he claimed to have. Yep. So I was telling all my uh, bandmates, you know, partying and stuff, and I'd be over there pulling up Bigfoot videos. Look at all this stuff, man. This guy, he's got a real one right here. You know, it's real. I told y'all Bigfoot's real. And they just thought it was crazy, you know. So, uh, but then... Find a Bigfoot came on, and their second episode, they had a lady from North Florida who had a handprint on the inside of her door. And they put her name on the television. So uh, just back then, there was the yellow pages, or white pages. You know, we had a phone book. Yeah, there was actually uh, a physical book we had to pick up and look at. (laughs) Yes, so I did. I picked it up, and there she was, listed. And uh, I called her up. Just cold called her. Asked her if I could come out there and check it out. So she tells me to wait till November when the weather's cooled down. The snakes ain't so bad. Uh, We're like, okay, whatever. 
So November comes, we go out there and immediately she's like, y'all are the first people to ever camp here. And we, we had an encounter that night that cemented it for me, you know, um, it was, it was pretty terrifying, you know, cause there was a lot of, a lot of noise, but there was no visual, you know what I mean? Just knocking and footsteps and stuff like that, you know? And then at the same time, you're like, oh man, we came here looking for Bigfoot. We didn't actually think we were going to find anything, you know? And, and and having that encounter, it was, I think the worst part about it was we were sleeping. We finally went to sleep, Uh, but it was like reluctantly going to bed, you know, because these noises just wouldn't stop. And, um, and I wake up to my buddy screaming and I look over and the tent's like a few inches up above our face. Uh, something's come and pressed the top of the tent down. It even broke one of the poles when it did it. Uh, and, you know, then hearing the thing tear off and run away. And, uh, it was one of the most terrifying nights of my life, but it was uh life changing. It was a very life changing event. I quit my music um, and just did that, you know, it became an obsession. So that's about, that's about it. <laughs> right. Now is, is that, how did, how did you end up on the spike TV show? Well, so after my encounter, like I said, I became obsessed with it. I, uh, changed my hours at my job to 12 hours. So I'd have more days in a week where I could go and just, uh, Bigfoot. I was out, out there actually doing it two, three nights a week, <clears throat> every week, rain or sun. And my dad seen how serious he was. So we fixed up his boat uh, and he sold it so he could get a thermal camera, um, you know, with some of the money. So back then, I think it was like, geez, I want to say 4000 bucks for this thing. And it didn't record. But anyways, um, because it was like a floor model and it was the last one they had, I think it's a place down in Tampa and we snagged that. And, you know, in May, then my dad got his footage. Uh, that was like, I had my encounter in November and then in May, uh, you know, he got his footage and, we did an investigation. We outsourced it. We like showed it to five people and uh, sent it to Cliff Barockman, asking him if he'd be interested in doing like the investigation on it. So uh, we worked on that until December. He had his results on like November twenty eighth or something. His his conclusions, you know. Right. And so we released on December first, and at the end of the day. Spike TV had called me. Oh, damn. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Day number two, um, the local news and uh, Animal Planet called. So although we knew Animal Planet was going to call, because Cliff's like, hey, I'd really like to do, you know, this on an episode. My dad was very reluctant. My dad didn't want to have nothing to do with that shit. Um. So when Spike called, uh, it was originally me and my dad. And 
they had set up the interview, did the interview process. We're like five minutes into it, and they mentioned it's a game show. My dad's like, I'm out. I'm not doing no game show. That's stupid. You know? And it was stupid. <laughs> it was dumb. Right. Uh, but the way I seen it, uh, because it was a survivor-type show, you know, you had a hunt, and then you would, or you would do a challenge, and then you would have a hunt, and then you'd have to present to the judges, and somebody get cut. Same formula over and over and over. Um, but the way I looked at it, hey, there's a chance I could win a hundred grand as a research grant, or there is a chance I believe in Bigfoot. You know, I know these things are real. They're gonna put us in all the best spots. Maybe just maybe. I can find a hair and get a photo, you know, <clears throat> um, because before the show started, I had a completely different idea from how it was actually going to be. I thought we were just going to be turned loose into the woods and be like, there you go. Now we were given boundaries, uh, like via this GPS, we couldn't go into certain areas, um, which came up as an issue in episode six. But so my dad says, no, they allow me to find another guy. So I get my buddy, Matt, who was with me when I had my encounter. Uh, and he's, they're like, okay, okay, you're going to casting finals. And so then um, it's just like a few weeks before and Matt's employer and my employer, we work at the same place, but for two different companies. He works for the company that maintenance the machines that we run. So uh, they tell him no. They tell me no. Um, so he says he can't go. I, at this point, believe I'm going to win. Like, that is another thing about me. Uh, I don't get, I wouldn't have got into it if I thought there was a chance I could lose. I ain't going to get embarrassed on TV. I was like, okay, there can be tracking challenges and shit like that. I was like, you know, hey, I'm pretty fit. I can run, you know, uh, lift my own body weight, whatever they have. I should be able to compete. Well, so my job tells me I can't go, so I quit my job. Uh, Matt's job tells him he can't go, and he says, I got to keep my job. There's also a difference in age. He's like 45, and I'm 27, so he's – uh, perhaps a little bit wiser, you know, not to take that gamble. Right. right. Uh, so I uh, talked to my other guy, David Lauer, and I'm like, hey, man, you want to go? He's like, hell yeah, I'll go. Uh, and his job okayed it. Like, he went and asked his employer first. And they, they said, yeah, we'll give you that time off. They ended up firing him while he was gone. But, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they, they did probably see his time off. Uh, but so, uh, they, they let me get another partner. Now this is after the deadline where you had to be concrete on your partner. If your partner was replaced, you couldn't be on the show or whatever. So we got slimmed down to 19 teams of two and they shipped us all out to LA. Okay, uh, which was a process in itself because you got to figure this is the first time I've been in Los Angeles, biggest city I've ever been in at this point in my life. I am from the sticks. Okay, <laughs> so it's like uh, you know, a little the damn Beverly Hillbillies. 
Yeah, yeah, right? So, but they stick us in this hotel, and they're like, all right, you can't talk to the other teams. Um, You can't go out past this curfew, and you can't leave the place. Immediately, immediately, the casting director, uh, Michelle McNulty, had a guy put on detail for us. He sat outside our room the whole time. Yeah, they knew. Right? Yeah. And so uh, we're like, okay, fine, fuck y'all. We're leaving. We're going to go dip. We're going to see Los Angeles. So we did it, you know. And the guy's like, hey, y'all leave, you lose. I said, if they're going to fire me for riding down the street, then they don't want me on the show. But they do, bud. So we'll be back here in a little bit. <laughs> and uh, there was a curfew there. Like, y'all got to go up your room. But we ended up just being ourselves, you know. And we felt that's what they wanted, what they were wanting. You know, I don't think they were wanting people that listened to the, you know, went by the book. Oh, we got to be in our room at nine o'clock, blah, blah, blah. At least I didn't, I didn't take that. I think us doing that sold us in there anyways. We're on the show, um, you know, and then they sent us out there to do that madness and it worked out. Yeah, it did. <clears throat> and, uh, you were the winner. Yeah, we were the last team standing. Um, you know, there was right there at the semifinals, and they let us go to Bluff Creek. And so uh, the girls, the team that we – okay, at the beginning, we're like, hey, we're going to carry a team to the finals. We're going to help one of these hunters that don't know nothing about Bigfoot. We're going to help them turn their evidence in or we're going to give them stuff, and then we're going to give them some Bigfoot spin on it. That was what I did not like about the show. So, like, some of the stuff, I mean, if we found hair, I could logically say I didn't know what it was from. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I can honestly tell you, yeah, hey, I did not 100% know where this came from. Um, And scat, you know, hey, maybe. Yeah. Bigfoot Possibly. scat looks like bear, you know, maybe Bigfoot scat looks like uh, bear scat, and that's why it always goes overlooked, you know. Or you found a runny pile of scat, and you can't tell what it is, and you collect that. So, uh, you know, we, we basically had to be like Bigfoot used car salesmen. <laughs> we had to make this stuff we were finding in the woods look good. And um, we carried this team of girls to the end. And then at Bluff Creek, we were going to, you know, we were going to carry them to the final four, final two where we could beat them easily. And we felt we cut them off at that point. But they were like, they were like, all right, we don't need them. We're going to fuck them. And they won the challenge. And they didn't let us use the map because the map was for the film site. How to get to the film site, which it worked out for us because, um, <clears throat> What are the chances there was going to be a Bigfoot at the film site? Uh, we went high. We went high altitudes. We went up to the top, you know, and they stayed down low in the creek going to that. So it turned them into tourists. And, uh, you know, they got eliminated. But we found this trackway uh, that I just really felt that the show didn't do justice. They were like, we get up to this, like, old logging road and when I say old, like there's, you know, six, seven foot pine trees growing up in the middle of it now, you know, uh, 
But we get up there, and as we're going up this hill, because what we did, we walked the creek until we seen like a slide where game had been coming down. So we head up that, and uh, we started seeing tracks like, hey, that. So I guess that could be a bear track. You know, I guess that one could be a bear track. Uh, and now they're going up the incline, so you really can't see them good. And it's like, ooh, hey, I don't know. You know, they're starting to look like it might be footprints. Then we get to flat ground once we climb the damn mountain there because it was probably 400 feet. We had to, you know, up on our hands and knees following this thing. And um, we get up there to that old road. And then now those probable tracks possible tracks are probable tracks now you know what i mean these are probably tracks and then it's like a few into that it was like okay hey yeah these are actually tracks it's how big they are we're able to like document the gate you know and that's how we would if we lost a track that's how we would uh find where it stepped again you know uh and there was like 40 like fresh tree breaks along the way because this this trackway went for like a mile and a half <clears throat> And we come to this ravine and there's a tree down across it. Typical movie setting, right? Where you're crossing the kids and bingo or whatever the dog's name is, uh, Benji. They're crossing the damn uh, river, you know, on an old shaky log. That's what it was, right? It was like a 40-foot drop underneath us. And the cameramen, they are allowed to stop you. If you're going to do anything stupid, they're allowed to stop you. And uh, they did. They pulled that card. They said, hey, it's not safe. Can't go forward. And uh, so they had a producer and a cameraman. And we told him. He's like, hey, bud, like for real, we'll quit the fucking show right now. I don't give a shit. These are actual Bigfoot tracks. And they're going that way. It's the only place they can be going right now. Uh, we're going, we know where the van is. We'll be back there before y'all ride out tonight. And then he radioed it in. I don't know what they told him, but they picked their stuff up and followed us across. Nice. So, uh, yeah. And then it led all the way back to this like structure and inside the structure, there was these little bitty handprints on like the little dirt right there, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and then the tracks just like circled around probably 10 times or so. And then went up this like slate hill and we tried to get up that slate hill. Every time we would like even go to walk, it just all collapsed underneath your feet, you slide back down. But this damn thing, you could see where it went straight up at no problem. Damn. And, uh, so that's where it ended for us. But that finding that got us, um, you know, put into the finals which was we got to do a 36 hour hunt in uh, in the upper peninsula the UP up in Michigan so that was pretty cool we went to I think it was Porcupine State Park or National Park or something Mm -hmm. Uh, Porcupine Mountain but anyways it was uh, that was a cool experience you know because it was 36 hours we had finally got time to hunt. Like before, we had only had like maybe six, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so we got finally 36 hours. And I think we covered just about that many miles. We slept like two hours the whole time. 
you know, the team ended up just bickering and stuff the whole time. So they flew us to Hollywood. We filmed the finale in the Black Dahlia murder mansion mm-hmm. where those murders were committed. Uh, and, you know, and then they, they, they drug that shit out. They're like, and the winner is. That motherfucker held his face for like a minute. And I was like, oh my God, the anxiety, dude. And I was just like, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. <laughs> and then he says, and the winner is again. I'm like, well, motherfucker, come on, dude. Like, give us give us an answer. And then they said, Stacy and Dave. And I was like, oh, man. It was, it was amazing. It was cool, you know. Uh, I got teared up. I was like, oh, shit, man. We just won a hundred grand, bro. That's right. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then the cool part about it was uh, that they actually ended up doing that scene like five times. So Michael Merger had to sit there. This guy who had been this asshole and like I almost came to blows with uh, during the show. This dude had to sit there and listen to him lose <laughs> like five times. I was like, "Yeah, it was cool, man." Oh, that's good retribution right there. You like? Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody yeah. fucking hated him, dude. Listen everybody to everybody hated him. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna do that back to one. And I was <laughs> like, I, I'm trying not to grin the second time. You know, I'm like, "Hell yeah, I don't want." <laughs> And I was like, about third time, I was like, man, bro, they're making you listen to this again. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help myself. That's too funny. Well, while we're still kind of fresh there on just talking about Bluff Creek, let me ask you a question. Um, I hear you're somewhat opinionated on the Patterson-Gimlin film. Yes, you know, uh, everybody should be. I don't, uh, I wasn't there. You know, even with my footage, y'all weren't there. Right. You can look at it and think it's a Bigfoot all day long. If you don't know for sure, cause you weren't there. Right. I get it. I understand it, you know. Um, that's why, like, investigation was so important for us. Like, somebody else had to do it. Uh, now, I understand it's 1967. I also understand that he was out there making a movie about Bigfoot. You know, I also understand he wrote a bad check for the camera. Uh, I also understand he sold 10 people, 50% of the film, you know, uh, there's a lot of red flags, but if that shit happened today, nobody believe it. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. So why do we say that one is? Oh, because we couldn't make that technology with the suits. I don't believe you. I don't believe it. Like everybody that's saying that, they're not out there actually trying to build the damn suit. They have no idea. Leroy Blevins, he built the damn suit that looked damn near close, dude. Damn close. And he built it for like a few hundred bucks, man. And it looked damn close. So, you know, hey, maybe it is a Bigfoot. Maybe it's the one Bigfoot that walked out in the open and stayed there for a minute with people watching it. <laughs> you know, maybe right. it's the one Bigfoot that just happened to do that because ain't no Bigfoot since done it. Exactly. And why do so, you... Th- you know, these are, these are questions that should be answered. 
Why do you think it's you know, taboo, so to speak, to discount that film for some reason? Because people are invested in it, dude. Yeah. People look at that and then, you know, they they see Bob Gimlin. Bob Gimlin's a really nice guy. Hung out with him. I have nothing bad to say about Bob Gimlin. You know? Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe not. Maybe he didn't know he was hoaxed. You know, maybe he is telling the truth. Maybe he is telling you what he believes. However, when I was on Bigfoot Bounty, his nephew was the paramedic that set my buddy's knee. His nephew was the paramedic, and he says they laugh about it every time at the family reunion. Wow. That it's fake. That's what he said. Right, right. This dude had a picture with him. You know what I mean? He could have just been bullshitting. What was the chances he was going to know he was getting assigned to be the paramedic for the damn crazy Bigfoot game show that night? You know? Uh, uh, and So there, you know, <clears throat> that holds some weight. I wasn't the only person he told that to. You know? Um, but it, I think it just, because evidence is so scarce, we have great evidence. We have better evidence than that. Mm-hmm. I, I, we have actual videos that I think are real. There's one with some kids. It's my favorite one. Some kids are out shooting some guns in Idaho. And in the background, there's this helicopter flying over. And then they fire this gun, and you see this damn thing run from, like, tree to, like, a little behind a rock. I think that video is actually real. That helicopter's following that thing. Like, I don't... I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's a good piece of footage, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Roger knew enough about the camera to take it in and out of focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, so That's a good point. Uh, Roger also drew Patty, although they're claiming it was a Bigfoot from a previous sighting that he was drawn of a female Bigfoot in the damn near same stance. Patty is mm-hmm. and she turns and looks at the camera there's a lot of dude, there's a lot of things and I just like I said it wasn't there if people want to be mad that I ask these questions if people want to be mad that I actually I want to and I've, I interviewed Bill Munns myself um, him and Doug Highcheck, and Bill said if I go to recreate it he wants to be a part of it you know he's like he's never seen it done he'll help me out in any way and I very much plan on I've already got a guy that claims he can build a suit for like 2500 bucks. He says, that is a suit. He makes costumes. He makes suits. Mm-hmm. He said, it is a suit. And he said, and he'll make it, and he's going to make it with that technology, you know, uh, from the 60s. Right. So we're doing it all the same. We're going to shoot it on the same camera, and we're going to see. Same exact everything. We're going to try to hit the same time of year. And we're going to see. And if I can't, I'll shut my mouth. Gotcha. But ain't nobody done it. Like the BBC did it, but they used the damn costume that was for made for another movie. They just grabbed a costume. They didn't try to make it look any bit like the Patterson Gimmel film. Yeah, so it, it was the point of doing it if you're not going to. What? What is the point? You didn't even shoot with the same camera. What was the fucking point? Right. Yeah, There. there's no point at that. You know, just to say you did it. You know, and so like, 
what I talked to Bill Munn, he's convinced, and he's a costume maker. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and he's convinced it's real. But he's also looked at the, the actual slides, actual frames. We have it. Everything we look at looks like shit. It's a copy of a copy of a copy. Right. If, if we're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if we're good, that's as many copies as been made. Mm-hmm. That footage we get is garbage, so you can't tell. Uh, because I used to, one thing I learned from Bill, I was like, a camera was crap. Like, it was a damn crap camera, and the camera's bad enough that you can't see it's a suit. <laughs> and he's like, no, that camera was good. I was like, oh, okay, I'm educated. <laughs> All right, learn something new every day. That's cool. But, so, uh... Even though, you know, I believe it still could have been a suit. Uh, there's some discrepancies in Bob's testimony. Bob one time sits there and says, uh, I never worked the camera. I never worked the camera. It was always Roger. And then there's a frame right before the little scene, little shot right before he films Patty. And somebody's filming because here comes Roger on the horse. And in a ways back, there's Bob. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Well, while we're on. Or no, 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 no. Excuse me. You'd never see Bob. You just see Roger. And so Bob would have had to be filming. Correct. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. I knew right. what you meant. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, while we're talking about uh, Bigfoot and credibility and all, um, have you got an opinion on, like, the Sierra sounds? Uh,. You know, I've heard stuff that are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they could be real, you know, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> I think you could have got more out of it, you know, if you were if you were actually out there doing that. You probably could have filmed them. Right. You know, well, you it, would think. <laughs> it's one of those things. I tend to believe that they're real, but... And at the same time, they're so over the top that you got that little bit of skepticism that I'm like, man, that, you know, that's crazy because I've not heard any other recordings that sound right. similar. I'm not no expert. I'm not no expert, like no linguist or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but it, like you said, sometimes it sounds like it's over the top. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I was what just I curious. heard sounded more like uh, what I heard sounded more like deaf people communicating. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? It right. was uh, it wasn't like that. That was like oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, right? The, yeah, that, uh, it, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. That 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 weird vocalization of right. Yeah. I'm just there's nothing that I'm there's no my opinion on it I mean, hey I have no reason to discredit it you know along the lines of because I know anything about anything like that you know right. I don't know nothing about audio or nothing like that but uh, it sounds spooky as hell yeah it does and I know if I heard that shit in the woods <laughs> I'd be rethinking my position in life mm-hmm. yeah you're damn right yeah, no. <laughs> alright <clears throat> circle back around alright you you won the spike TV thing uh, you got the hundred thousand now, is that where you uh, went on to do the Skunk Ape Lives? Um, 
No, actually, I decided to just pay myself to hunt Bigfoot, right, with that money. I was like, hell. I got you. I'm just not going to work. I'm going to do this until the money runs out. So I did that. I did a lot of Bigfooting. And then basically all those people in that film are people I met during the filming or during that process. Mm-hmm. Or either I've met the person that put me in contact with them. But most of those are stories that I had taken during that time where I, you know, paid my, uh, paid myself not Bigfoot. You know, which uh, maybe that wasn't the smartest thing to do with the money. But it was a research grant to hunt Bigfoot. So I felt it was wrong if I didn't use that money to hunt Bigfoot. And well, I guess, true. You know, <laughs> I guess I could have, uh, you know, like invested the money wisely and things like that. But fuck, I felt I did, you know, who gets to pay themselves? They're like, all right, Hey, where am I going to go hunt Bigfoot next week? Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah. If you, you can, know, can go stay why not? three or four days. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, uh, it that was, a, it was a good time, but most of the, uh, you know, the stuff in the skunk ape lives was people I met during that time. And when did you decide to, to do the skunk ape lives? Was it during that time that you were doing the investigating that you decided to document it? And Well, I had the stories, uh, you know, talk to the people and stuff. And people kept telling me to write a book. <clears throat> but I had, after the spike thing, I got offered to be in a movie called uh, Interviewing Monsters and Bigfoot. I think is the end up title. Uh, but it had Tom Green and Les Stroud in it. Uh, I played Les Stroud's assistant. They wanted me to come on and just play myself. So I did. I came up for the two days, played myself, and then they offered me a lead role. So I was like, oh, shit, okay, I'll take it. Uh, I had to stay there another month, you know, and then fly back occasionally. So I was Les Stroud's assistant and Tom Green's nemesis. Now, like, Les Stroud was, like, when my son was young, he didn't watch Barney for right. long. You know, he got out of that stage uh, after, you know, turning about three or four, and he watched Survivor Man. And I tell you, we watched it all the time. It was either the Terminator or Survivor Man. It was one of the two things he wanted to watch all the time. Oh, Jurassic Park. He loved Jurassic Park, too. But, um... So when I get the call up and these guys are like, hey, you want to come be in a film with uh, Lester Eld and Tom Green? And at the time, Jerry Springer was in the movie. I was like, get the fuck out of here. You know, don't nobody want me to be in a movie like that. And they, they did. So it was like a dream of mine because Tom Green, I grew up watching Tom Green. You know, oh, yeah. he was like, big, he was a big deal to me. Uh, so to be able to actually get to meet these people and hang out with them. You know, and just have some of the most memorable times of my life was was amazing. So, I got shit right at right right about twenty five grand for that. So I was twenty five grand for that. So I was able to extend my big footing a little bit more. You know, and then during that, seeing that movie made, uh, I decided I wanted to make films again um, because I used to do it in high school. Uh, TV production. I was always involved in that kind of AV club or whatever it was. 
Uh, and you know, my buddy Stevie Strings, he he said, uh, let's let's do one on the skunk ape, and I was like, man, that was cool. Let's do that. Let's do that. You know, so we made it in like 2017, right after we came back from making Roswell, uh, and then we sat on it for like two years because I didn't like it. Like all the, all the scenes are in there, but like the segues from interview to interview were different. You know, the narration with like B roll and it just, it just wasn't strong. Uh, and my buddy watched it. Um, RPG, you may have seen him on like expedition Bigfoot. He was, yeah. On the first episode, but it got real sick. Had to, you know, quit the show. Yeah, I'm familiar. Um, so I met him through Finding Bigfoot. Uh, you know, because after I won the Spike thing, then they wanted me back on the show. You know, they wanted me back on Finding Bigfoot. So that's where I met him, and he watched it, and he goes, "You know what? Why don't you just, you know, it, it all encompasses itself, brother." He said, "You got started." with the unsolved mysteries he said now you've done all this thing around bigfoot and he said you come right back to unsolved mysteries he goes walk it through like robert stack does he said say your little narrations and talk but be you and just walk and say it and i was like bam you know and we did that and everybody loved it man everybody loved it so it was you know it was doing great on amazon um they pulled it because they're no longer taking unsolicited documentaries. Uh, and so they also grabbed a bunch that they already had. Uh, and that was one of them. So we can't get it back on Amazon. Uh, but it is up on YouTube. And you know, it's what really, really blows about it is um, because the movie did so well. Like, between Amazon and YouTube, it's just about had a million views or rentals. Massively popular for us. Like, we we made our money back and then some. Like, then a lot of some. Yeah, it makes perfect sense yeah. to pull it. Exactly. I didn't understand it. You know, it's like Roswell, my film's on there. It ain't doing jack shit anymore. The views are, like, way down on that thing. You know, because the movie's old. It came out in 2017. Right. Um and another film I did a short film with uh, Wayne Wilson he uh, his film the views are down on it you know because it's old but Skunk Ape was always like a bunch it was just steady climbing and then um, you know Les put it out on his YouTube and it's got just about a half a million views on that so um, it's just this terrible what they were doing is basically people were making documentaries about stolen election and stuff and Amazon was getting a bunch of them of different differing views I guess uh, than what Amazon's are and so Amazon's like no we're no longer taking documentaries so you just killed like independent filmmaking in a huge way yeah which you is know, which is horrible because that was you know your go-to place to see documentaries right of this right, nature you know, you know? It's, you know, that yeah. Amazon's where I found, you know, the skunk ape lives for the first time. And right. You know, um, and that, that, 
and that movie spread by word of mouth. Like we spent no money on advertising, right. none, not one dollar. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was just basically, I was locked in my fucking one bedroom apartment for three months because of COVID. Right. So I, uh, you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna get some of this shit off my hard drive, and I went and I finished that, and. You know, we put it out, did well, people enjoy it, and I'm just going to get more stuff out like that. Uh, but then the whole Amazon thing, so now it's like, how are you How are you getting it out there? But, you know, I've, I've got some different projects. I'm, uh, you know, writing some new movies. I've got a new series I'm doing, so there's more stuff coming. All right. Well, speaking of, what you know, you were talking about Les Stroud. Uh, what about the movie The Pit? Where does that stand? Uh, last month, we signed a worldwide distribution deal with A Court International. They do a lot of your, uh, like your horror, thriller, uh, I guess, independent, you know, low budget films. Um, even though we spent a ton of money, <laughs> like we spent a lot. Uh, it's still considered a micro budget film. You know, you have to have like, I didn't understand that $5 million film was considered a low budget film, but it is. Um, so it's not micro budget, but it's, it's low budget. So we, um, you know, we shot that thing, shot it, got it done. It's been through like a few different edits. Um, you know, cause some of it, I guess was disturbing, you know, in some of our, some of our first screenings, we had a person walk out. Now she was expected to walk out. Like all these people we let into this screening of the event were like demographics, age groups, you know what I mean? Uh, so the 60 year old church lady wasn't expected to stay in, right. <laughs> you know, but she got, she got up and rolled out. Uh, but we did kind of clean it up a little bit. Uh, but it's, it's, it's amazing because we had a script, uh, and it was really fun because the, the script ended up, we were doing most of the scenes improv because like me and Les's banter back and forth was like, you know, legit, it looked real, you know? Uh, and we started improv and everything. And so we changed the ending while we're filming. You know, we changed a bunch of different parts while we're going like, hey, uh, hey, you know what? Scratch that. We're going to do it like this. And then we work the scene out, what we're going to talk about, you know, back and forth and then good to go. You know, so it was a really fun process. Uh, and I like it because it's, it, it's, it's an insanity movie. You know, I mean, two guys were reconnecting after war after like 20 years. They go camping. They fall into this dry sinkhole. Like the ground collapses beneath their feet and they fall in. And they're stuck there. Um, you know, so what happens to two people and a dog after 50 days? You know, you start right. to go insane. Uh, and, you know, then it deals with a lot of insanity. So, like, when the ending comes, it's like, what? What just happened? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. oh my god, for real? You know what I mean? Because you—that's what I like about it. It's like 
three different people could watch it and then, you know, think different things. Yeah, that's cool. When so, when do you think that'll be released? Should be out this summer, worldwide. Nice. Uh, you know, uh, so very excited about that, you know, because we're, we're no film school, just guys that wanted to go and we love movies and just wanted to make them and then we're doing it and we got a worldwide distribution deal. So, you well, know, you can't beat that shit, man. <laughs> no, you can't, man. So that, that's cool. Cause there was a lot, lot to put into that. You know, my dad passed the day after we finished filming, you know? So like that, like devastated me right. and that whole editing process, everything in the film that you see my dad built you know we couldn't film in a real cave in florida uh so he built this one out of concrete and rebar you know like it's 20 foot half cave so uh you know and then the dog that was in it three months after we're done filming she gets bone cancer and dies in like a month and a half so i'm having to take care of this dog you know, two, and then she passes. So it was like, damn, what else could go wrong? You right, know, so exactly. it's, it was kind of really important to get it done, you know, mm-hmm. um, just in a way. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that it's now going out everywhere so that hell, even if, you know, a hundred thousand people on only see it, you know, we did it. We put everything into it. You know, it's important that it's out there so everybody has a chance to see it. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait for that one. <clears throat> All right, to circle back around um, Skunk Ape and Bigfoot, um, what's your opinion? What is Bigfoot? Is it flesh and blood creature to you? <clears throat> when- I'll tell you this. I know enough about Bigfoot to know that I don't know jack shit about Bigfoot. Gotcha. Uh, when I first got into this, first had my encounter, my sighting, Bigfoot's a primate. Flesh and blood, completely real. Uh, then, six months ago, I'm in the camp that, you know, Bigfoot's somehow connected to all these orbs we're seeing. You know, Bigfoot is something else. Telepathically communicating with people. Uh, you know, I didn't give that stuff any time of day until, you know, I actually talked to Les about it. Yeah, well, He's not crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I can honestly say he's not. Um, and, you know, and then, hell, February, the end of February, that, or, no, I guess it was, uh, end of January, end of January this year, then my thoughts on that change. So, uh, I'm working on a new, uh, project, uh, it's a little like group of friends, filmmakers, um, and, uh, it's called outcast paranormal. And what we do is we go to the investigations and we try experiments, experimenting. This happens, this happens, this happens. So we, Decided to do one on the uh, investigation on the Mayakamuki. Now, the Muki is the local term for it. What the early people that settled that area 
But so we went there and we had all kinds of different experiments, like ranging from it being a primate all the way from ranging to it being artificial intelligence. Okay. And like we, you know, spent no cost, I guess. Uh, we, we absolutely put everything we could into everything. Um, so we had a guy, we had a psychic on the team. Uh, you know, we had a, a scientist on the team. We had a doctor on the team. We had all these different people and they had all these different opinions. Um, Bill Brock, uh, RPG was there, you know, and some other guys, um, uh, Ed Brown or not Ed Brown. I don't know why I said that. Uh, what is Ed's last name? I can't remember right now. Anyways, he runs a Bigfoot quest, uh, podcast, but, uh, my buddy Ed Mong, Monge, I guess. Anyways, he was there too. He's our cameraman. So, we're doing all these experiments and we got this one guy who's a scientist, uh, a reverse engineer guy. And he's basically like, says he's created this device that's, uh, he calls it an atomic flashlight. And he claims that we live, uh, possibly in a simulation. Uh, and he's tied all this into the Foo Fighters from World War II that people, you know, the pilots and stuff would see during the war. Right. He said those things are still here. Okay. Um, he said that, you know, that's what we're having with our haunted houses. Basically, there's three tiers of these things, and they're, they're communicating. So it's basically like a 5G network. Um, and these houses that people think are haunted are places that these Foo Fighters are. Because these Foo Fighters are collecting what he assumes is DNA uh, and sending it back elsewhere. Well, when they do this between the hours 12 and 3 or at any time during the day, but he assumes it's done most during 12 and 3. Uh, you're in one of those places where they're, where they're transmitting because they transmit with some other kind of radiation that a ghost, you have a ghost encounter. Or if you're in the woods and you're getting into a spot in the AI that you shouldn't be in, a Bigfoot shows up and turns around and runs off, runs you out, you know, uh, things of that nature. He's not saying Bigfoots and ghosts aren't real. He's just saying sometimes it could be this. And so we do his experiment uh, in a place that not only has Bigfoot activity, also has UFOs been seen there, and there's also places on the property that are extremely haunted. So, like, hey, we got the whole smorgasbord. What better place than try Patrick's experiment? And um, I just had to say it changed my mind. Nice, <laughs> you know, because mm. uh, we did it, and it was it was one of the uh, I guess I don't know. It was it was one of the most odd investigations I've ever been on because it just uh, left you scratching your head because okay what he said was going to happen happened plus um now does that mean he's right you know what I mean like right. he, he could still be he said this was most likely all these things were going to happen okay they happened we got photographic evidence video evidence we got we got it 
you know, but does that mean that this is an artificial intelligence and we're living in some simulation? So now I'm left with that. I started all the way at this thing. Bigfoot is real flesh and blood animal. And now I'm wondering if we're living in a simulation. Yeah. You started out. Now you've got, you've got more questions now than you, than yeah. you had before. And yeah. But, but at the same time, I don't, I don't discount anything. I don't go into the room saying I know because I don't. I'm going to lead the things that I find are going to point me to the truth. And they may be anything. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, I'm fine with it. I just want to know. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to look at it. Well, you can't go into, you know, if you go into the uh, trial thinking this guy's guilty, he ain't got a fucking chance in hell. You're going to find him guilty. Right. You know, if you're looking out there, you're looking for it to be an ape, you're going to find evidence of that. If you're looking for it to be paranormal, you're going to find evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just a fact. That's just the way things work, you know. Yep. You know, you you have to not get stuck in that, you know. And it's very hard to. It's very hard not to, you know, get stuck in that shit. Yeah. You know, I always always had this the same opinion of just a, a flesh and blood you know creature a undiscovered primate and then you know after years of listening to other podcasts you know listening to sasquatch chronicles and things of that nature and you, you know i've not seen it for myself but it's one of those you know you start to change how you think about things like all these people can't just be making it up you know there's too much other that goes along with that the idea of it just being a simple flesh and blood creature now seems a little more far-fetched than going into the paranormal let me tell you something i got a report from uh fwc there are uh dnr you know kind of thing for florida fish and wildlife guy told me he said hey here's this address you're gonna want to go talk to this guy so i go out to this house you know it's in a neighborhood now right uh and it's a predominantly uh black neighborhood so i i'm i'm going up in this place and it's uh i knock on the door you know it this lady, she's standing there, and I'm like, ma'am, uh, I know it's going to sound weird, but an FWC officer told me to come out here and talk to you that the man of the house seen something that, uh, you know, I'm going to want to hear about. She goes, oh, you mean the Bigfoot? And I was like, okay, yep, Bigfoot. And so she she goes, it was my grandson. Hold him. Let me get him. So here comes this guy that looks close to like Ja Rule or Lil Wayne. You know, he's a rapper, right? The right. furthest thing you would think from somebody who's who's about to tell me what I'm about here. Okay. You think your typical Bigfoot report, well oh, it was big, it's hairy, you know, red eyes. Maybe they were glowing, maybe they were shining. Uh it's on two feet, arms down to its knees. There's your typical cookie cutter Bigfoot report. You know, I just told you 80% of them. Exactly. Right. So, okay. Now looking at this guy, this guy doesn't know jack shit about the Bigfoot community 
or anything or does not even look like he wants to. Nicest guy in the world. You know what I'm saying? But this wasn't your normal guy that knows everything about Bigfoot that could be hoaxing you. You know, usually you can you can tell when they're kind of telling you a story. Uh, but this guy, he tells me, he goes, you know, it spoke to me. And I said, what? And I said, you heard it speak? He said, no, I didn't hear it, man. He said, it said it in my head. I was like, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, this thing talked to me in my mind. I said, what did it say? And he said, well, I was standing there looking at it. And he said, it's, it's breathing had calmed down. So I got confident enough to come up off the back porch out of the screen door. And he said, and I flicked my cigarette down about six feet away from me, in between me and him. And he was about 20 yards, or, or 10 yards, I'm going to say 10 yards. Uh, and he said, you're not afraid of me? And he, he said he, he, like, jumped back. And he said he didn't think to communicate with his mind back. He said he don't know if he can do that. But he said, hell, yeah, I'm afraid of you. You're big as fuck. Those are his exact words. <laughs> hell, yeah, I'm scared of you. You're big as fuck. And then he said the thing, looking at him in the eyes, and then looks over at that cigarette and said, pick that up. And he said, hell, no, and run back in the house. Okay. Damn. His girlfriend seen it. His grandmother seen it. Neighbors seen it. And there was all this stuff going on with gifting. Uh, but he, this guy, this guy here, this guy that looks like a rapper. He is a rapper. But he looks like one. Okay? So, like, just get that image in your head. This guy ain't going to know jack shit about no people talking about Bigfoot's telepathic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he yeah. just he just came out with that information. And then he also said he said he felt like it was connected to him. He said he felt like the thing was constantly in his fucking head. He said if you tell somebody, it'll show up like days later. He said it's probably going to show up days later now. You know, and so they're like, I can't discredit that. The guy was telling the truth. Even the game warden said he was telling the truth. Damn. He said, but it just wasn't nothing he handled. So that like I can't look away from shit like that. Right. Now if you're telling me this guy's on YouTube and in Facebook groups about Bigfoot, it ain't happening. Look at everybody that's in there. You know? <laughs> they're not that people. They're not you know, they're not rappers. Rappers ain't looking to get on no Bigfoot. Now, did you hear this account from him about the mind speak like before Les's account? Where he talks about it? No, no. This I was... actually just took this report like two weeks ago. Oh shit! Okay, I got you. Yeah, wow. and so it's like in this in this neighborhood, there's a massive forest south of it, but then there's this huge ass landfill right at the end of the street. So it makes sense that things coming through going to the landfill, you know, scavenging, uh, which I wouldn't assume. I mean, there's a fucking neighborhood and a landfill right in the middle of the forest. Damn. So. Um, now was that in yeah, Florida? That was in Florida. It was right outside of Tallahassee, right just north of the airport. Wow! So it was just it was it was cool. He's agreed to let me come back and film his story and stuff, you know. Uh, but that was just something to hear that from. If he was lying, I don't think he would have said that. I don't think he knew that people say that. 
Right. Yeah. And it, unless he was in the community, so to speak, he he wouldn't know that. There's no way. No, because that's not the first thing. Like you have to tell people that. Like most people would know that there's a Bigfoot. There was a Patterson Gimlin film. You know, they know that. But oh, wasn't that proven to be a hoax? That's what everybody always says. Mm-hmm. You know, they never say nothing about that. Yeah, that would be the last thing you brought up, not the first. Right. right. And so this guy also didn't contact me. I had to cold call show up at his house. Right. Yeah. You know, so he, he it wasn't he like wasn't he out had time to do his it. homework. No. Yeah, that alone. So, but it's just, it's things like that. But I can't ignore it. I can't be like, oh, yeah, he's just flesh and blood. If you go into this search, closed-minded, and that's that's what that that's the hypocrisy of the Bigfoot group, Bigfoot community. They're mad with the rest of the world because the rest of the world's closed-minded. But if you start talking about Bigfoot being something else besides flesh and blood, you find a lot of closed-minded people. Yeah, you do, and you shouldn't. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, these people make us look bad." No, they don't. Make yourself look bad, bud. You're talking about a seven-foot fucking hairy man running around the woods. Everybody already thinks you're fucking nuts. Yeah. What's it hurt to throw, you know, a little extra on top of that, you know? Yeah. Well, you don't want them to think you're straight jacket crazy. You're just fucking heavily medicated crazy. (laughs) You're still crazy, but. Yeah, exactly. Stacy, I appreciate you taking the time out of your night to come on the show, man. Uh, It's great talking to you and telling us about what you got going on and what you got coming up. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, dude. And, uh, you know, love to do it again. I'll have some stuff coming out. Maybe I can come back on and promote the new new yeah. series because we're going to be dropping uh, four episodes here before the end of the year of our Outcast Paranormal series. Yeah, that'd be great um, to talk about that once that does come out. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, bud. Right. Well, cool, man. Well, you have a good night, bud. And I appreciate it. All right, Stacy. Thanks so much, man. All right, dude. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Stacy Brown Jr., thank you so much again for coming on. If you have a story, you can find us on Facebook from the Dark Podcast. You can shoot us a message there. Or you can send us an email at contact at from the darkpodcast.com. And remember, folks, the truth is always stranger than fiction. <laughs>